You may have noticed that a lot of e-commerce websites today look the same. They all seem to have similar formats and look as if they've been designed by the same person. In fact, a recent Gartner report found that 46% of consumers can't tell one brand's digital experience from another. So, this implies that an investment in the creation of an e-commerce experience may not always produce the results you are aiming for. I'm Jane Irwin, Senior Content Manager at SQLI, and I'm happy to welcome you to SQLI's podcast channel, Digital Chats. This is Exploring Digital Worlds, a series of podcasts focusing on expert insights into what's happening in the digital sector. Today, I'd like to welcome our principal UX consultant for the Netherlands, Marinus Ames, to the show. And we're going to talk about how to make your e-commerce website stand out. Marinus has more than 15 years experience designing online customer experiences. He can't shake off his economics background, so he keeps looking at design through a business lens, which makes for lively discussions with more creative-minded designers. Welcome to the show, Marinus. Hey, thanks, Jane. And with so much seniority available today, it must surely be become a great show. <laughs> okay, Marinus, well then let's dive in. Uh, my first question is for you, do you think it's wrong for an e-commerce website to look the same as all the others? Um, no, on one hand, it's it's very sensible to make sure that your that the core features, if, if you're talking about, for instance, e-commerce, that your say your checkout, that the core features are are uh, designed in a way that your customers expect. I think that's very sensible um, because then you don't surprise your visitors and you offer them something that they're used to from other competitors. Um, yeah, there's there's even a a principle uh, defined uh, around that that was intensively researched, and it's called the polar principle. The polar principle. What is the polar principle? Yes, there's been a lot of research on the field of psychology and e-commerce uh, the last decades, and polar is the principle of the least astonishment. So, for example. Like I said before, with the e-commerce example, it's wise to make sure that your checkout behaves in a way that your visitors expect. You know, like they get various payment options and they get an a confirmation email at the end. So, Marinus, if all things tend to look the same, why do people still not make a choice? Yeah, that's the other. That's the other side of what we're talking about now. So, at one at one se- uh, side, it makes sense that your core features are you know uh, like adher- adhering to to best practices but at the other side you want to you want to make sure that you're differentiated from your from your competitors when you're running an e-commerce shop and that's one of the things that uh, is not really it's not really happening now um, what happens is that if people look at websites and they want to buy something uh, and it all looks the same they're just gonna they're just gonna give up because they can't make a choice that's what's gonna happen okay so then let's talk about differentiation not happening if we refer back to the to the gardener uh, the marketing research um then then from from this research that uh, gardener did it uh, it appeared that that more than half of the customers 
of e-commerce websites uh, uh, answered that um, that the digital experience they just had just doesn't impact their purchase decision. So that means that a lot of effort and time and money went into creating a digital e-commerce experience and, and no change in, in behavior of the customers is happening. And yeah, this is just bad business. You mentioned no change in behavior. What do you mean by change the behavior, uh, Marinus? That the whole reason that we're that we're all busy with experience design is that uh, yeah the whole reason is that we want to change the behavior of visitors. So uh, I'm referring to stuff that a visitor comes to your site and they actually click buttons and they read your blog post and they convert from visitor to customer stuff like that. That's why we create all those nice digital experiences. Okay, but if that doesn't happen, then what can we expect? Now, if that doesn't happen, because because your customers are affected by choice paralysis, okay, they just can't make a decision because it all looks a little bit the same, um, then ultimately that means uh, that, that your investment in a digital experience just doesn't pay off. So that's what I mean by bad business. So uh, a simple example of this would be that if I want to buy a book, uh, I could go to any e-commerce website that uh, offers the book um, and look at the same product on different websites and, and not being able to make the choice because all the websites offer the same digital experience. And of course, there's examples like Amazon where, for example, their uh, website looks horrible from a design point of view, but they have features like, like one-click uh, buying, you know, which is easy if I just want to buy a ten uh, a ten dollar or a ten euro book. So they're sticking out, you know. They're doing something different. So that's what you're aiming for: doing something different. I get it. I get it. So standing out. So so let's get down to the nitty gritty of it, Marinus. Why are so many e-commerce brands finding it hard to stand out? Um, I think there's there's three three main reasons for that. One is that e-commerce teams uh, strive towards best practices. Okay, mm -hmm. you have an, a digital experience uh, problem with your uh, that you need to solve. You look to how others and often competitors solve that. You know, you go to some, some sites and you find best practices of how something can be solved. Um, then the, the next reason why um, yeah, why they all tend to look a little bit the same is that a lot of e-commerce uh, sites are built on monolithic technologies. So you got those big e-commerce platforms that uh, help you set up your your e-shop real quickly, and but they they tend to work with templates, you know. So every product detail page works with the same template. So everybody that uses the same platform. You, you, you kind of get to recognize uh, the e-commerce the e platform that it runs on, you know. Okay, and okay. the third, and I think this is the most important uh, factor, Jane, is often there's a lack of strategy around customer experience. Okay, so customer experience. Um, and what do you think of the first, is the first thing a brand should look at if they want to create a great customer experience? Uh, okay, so... Um, let's say if we look at low-hanging fruit, then 
then the simplest thing, so we're not talking experience strategy now, just looking at what can you easily do, okay? Now, is the, the, the quickest thing to stand out, to make yourself stand out, is to find just one single thing, one single feature that your customer experience is different than the others out there. So one thing that's uh, authentic. And once you find that, that one thing, you blow it up, okay? You make the feature very, uh, uh, very visible on your website and you and you spread the news across all the social media and, and, and newsletters and all the other uh, way you communicate with everybody. So I could give you an example if you want one. Sure, that'd be great, yeah. Okay, so um, let's, let, let's think about the books again. And let's say that you uh, there's this there's this current bestseller the book by the book by Prince Harry. Okay. So if I'm in the market for buying a book like that, but what what I as a user would really exp uh, appreciate if I go to one of the uh, the retailers for 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 books, uh, I would really exp uh, appreciate if they build a page around around this this new bestseller, you know, the release of this new bestseller. So they would build a theme page where they where they list more bestsellers with juice around royals, with, with books about Princess Di or Sarah Ferguson or Henry VIII for all I care. But you know, <laughs> if I want to read more than just this new bestseller, then I would have some choice. So that's a very simple example that e-commerce a book retailer could do. Some of them do them, most of them don't, that would not take that much time and would really give me some added value. And next time I'm going to go back to this retailer because I know they do something extra than just push the product. And I love the Henry VIII example. What a wonderful example. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's great. Low hanging fruit as you talk about. But yes. what about a long term, a long term plan, Marinus? Yeah, in the long term plan, you 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 can't get away with uh, with things uh, as an e-commerce team this easily. Uh, in the long term, if you want to differentiate uh, differentiate yourself uh, and your side, then then of course you need a plan, and a plan is a strategy, and you just don't need a strategy for the business because probably that one is there. But I think a lot of brands lack in this department of creating a customer experience strategy specifically for that. And what advice would you give to an e-commerce brand seeking to build a successful customer experience strategy? Um, yeah, for for stuff like this, you know, this is really intangible. Um, so this is not choosing a, an e-commerce platform based on on criteria, you know, that uh, they are really, really good, uh, good defined. So this is a problem that is of, of a different magnitude. This is really a problem about uh, uh, about how to market yourself. Management should initiate this and and be the champions of it. And they need uh, management in this case needs to invite uh, a lot of stakeholders from inside the company and maybe from outside the company sit down with their teams and collaborate uh, uh, about this uh, uh, about this customer experience strategy and the thing the first thing they should do even before talking strategy and that's why really it should come from management is 
before you make the plan of how to roll out your your experience, you should talk about your customer experience vision. You know, wh where do we want to go to with our ex uh, uh, customer experience five years in the future? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's why you really need uh, management. And of course, you could say this is easily more easily done than uh, uh, said than done. But actually, this is quite doable because in the last decade there's been so much advancement in the field of collaboration and innovation you know with all those uh, frameworks for workshops etc that um, yeah there's a lot of, of frameworks that could be used to uh, to go about this you know sticking up uh, post-its on the wall in the workshop you probably have done it yourself we have all done it we all know about the post-its mariners definitely but what about the methodologies there's there's a lot of choice from from methodologies uh, that are really that are really proven methods you know for getting getting to something intangible as as our customer experience vision and strategy um yeah long gone are the days of unguided brainstorms where everybody is shouting on top of their lungs through each other and that was yeah. primarily the domain of of top managers um and and the highest ranking uh, person in the in the room was probably the one uh, getting uh, getting their ideas across. Um, no, now we have better methods to guide ideation in an in an effective and also an efficient way. And one um, good example of that and a very well known example is the Google Ventures Design Sprint method. There's been books oh. around this and seminars and the works. Um, do you have any actual tips for our listeners who would like to make their ideation workshops a success? Yeah, we're here in uh, uh, Amsterdam, where I'm based. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we've we've been doing those workshops uh, uh, from from um, for design projects uh, for years now, and I do have some tips that I know that work quite well. The first one is that you need to define what you want to get out of the workshops upfront. So don't go in it without first defining what you want to get out of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And another thing that really works well is that you should invite different roles from the organization because then you benefit from, from, from multiple perspectives and that makes your solutions, your strategy, your vision way better. Um, the other one is to time box every step. Otherwise, you will be there for a month, okay, locked up in this room. <laughs> and still, people would be, be uh, uh, happily discussing uh, stuff. So really time box each step and make sure that you, you, you get to a result uh, in, in, a, in, in a time that you uh, agree upon uh, beforehand. And, um, and, and the last tip that I would have is to to make sure that you define success metrics for the workshops, okay? This is what we what we want to uh, do, what we want to get out of this uh, um, out of the workshop. You know, steps for the strategy and and maybe uh, a well-defined uh, product vision that's 90% uh, clear, stuff like that, so that you're really working towards something. Okay, now we're moving on to the part of the podcast that I've been really looking forward to, Mariners. Yeah. Um, real life examples. Um, can you give me some examples of strategies that have enabled brands to differentiate themselves? Um, yeah, sure. 
Sure. And these will be like the big, the big e-commerce giants, like we always use as an example. So I've already mentioned Amazon. So it's not that they're the only ones doing the, the good stuff or the best stuff or whatever. Um, I'm mentioning those uh, tend to mention we tend to mention those examples because everybody knows them you know but there's sure. many mm -hmm. better uh, even better examples out there uh, for for smaller e-commerce sites but here we go with the the, the well-known ones mm -hmm. so um there's several areas that a brand could focus on to seek differentiation and standing out from others uh, one strategy is to try to bridge the gap between between the in-store experience, which is often way better than than online, you know, because you got sales reps and so uh, people standing in the, in the shop to help uh, customers. So one way uh, strategy is to bridge, try to bridge the gap between the in-store experience and the online experience. And uh, there's there's two brands that uh, really tackle this quite nice. One is Sephora, uh, probably known to you as well. I think they're, yeah. they're quite big in mm -hmm. France. They are um, big in France, yeah. Yeah. Um, what they did was, uh, so their, their makeup brand, uh, when you go to the shops, you can try out the makeup. So they used uh, augmented reality to make sure that you have the same experience at home, but then using your mobile and you can uh, virtually apply the makeup and try it out at home before you Brilliant. buy okay. it online. Okay. And another example is IKEA. And IKEA mm -hmm. uh, lets you, and they've been doing this for years now, so they're already quite perfect, perfected uh, it. You can put whatever piece of furniture, uh, uh, again with AR, augmented reality, and your mobile phone, you can put it in your room and see how that couch would look in your uh, in your setting. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's a really good example. And um, do, do you think there's something else brands could be thinking about if they want yes. to stay one step ahead of the competition? Of course, this was, this was one example of a strategy that you could follow. Um, another strategy is, is as a brand making sure that you share the same values or state of mind of your customers. And that also differentiate differentiates you from from your competitors who are not that in tune with the values of their of their customers. So examples of those are the one that I really like is Patagonia, and they 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 sell the outdoor clothing. Uh, been doing this I think since since the seventies something like this, but they really uh, they really into sustainability. And their customers are also really into sustainability. So how do how you do they use that uh, online? Now they've they've uh, launched a initiative where you can uh, have your old Patagonia garments refurbished by them, mended, and then sent back to you. And you can do it. You can do the whole thing, initiate the whole thing online, and then send it to them and get it back sent to your home so that's really great yeah, really great that's way of, fantastic yeah, yeah of connecting with 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 what their customers really value and another mm -hmm. good example of this one is uh, lululemon so yeah the 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 name the name uh, makes me smile each time and lululemon mm -hmm. is is uh, a bit more uh, a brand that's a bit newer uh, they've really been making waves online 
their yoga inspired uh, healthy body style uh, retailer of yoga pants and what they do okay. is they yeah they own the healthy yoga uh, uh, mindset you know so yeah they could connect again really well with their customers and not just selling yoga pants you know Yes, I, I get it about sharing the same mindset as the customers. It's important. And I agree, Lulu Moon, Lululemon, sorry, is an amazing name. Yeah, Love it's it. good, isn't it? Lululemon. Yeah. Are, are there, do you think there are brands that have actually decided to go against conventional wisdom and provide radically different experiences? Uh, sure. sure. Um, some of them have really turned the best practices around. So what we talked about at the beginning, you know, when I name dropped the polar principle. So yeah, where I said it's best to, sometimes it's best to follow best practices for the core stuff of your website. But there's some brands that even that even go against the grain with their core. So um, uh, and, uh, uh, the best, for me, the best example on this one would be Zappos. And Zappos is a shoe and clothes retailer, and they're more well known, Jane, in the States than in Europe. Okay, okay. But actually, they're 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 huge as well, and they've been acquired like ten years ago, I think, by uh, Amazon. But mm -hmm. Amazon let them be, you know, a separate brand because they were doing something really nice. What Zappos did was they really turned around how uh, customer support normally is done by companies. Normally, customer support is 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 considered a cost, uh, you know, for the uh, for for the company. So that that means that customer support is is often uh, try to minimize, you know, the cost of uh, uh, having customer support. But Sapo said, okay, customer support actually is a is is something that is an asset for us. So we're not gonna we we're not gonna make sure that we turn any pen every penny on uh, customer support, but um, instead of telling our customer support um, reps that they should uh, make sure that each uh, phone call they get from a customer is handled as quickly as possible, uh, they could take as much time as they need to handle the, the customer request. And there's some, some really famous examples out there of, uh, of a Zappos customer that called customer support and said, hey, I'm out here uh, for business in a strange city and it's evening and I want to go out to have a meal, but I'm, I am I wouldn't know where to go and I'm, I'm a little bit anxious, you know, to go out into a neighborhood that I don't know. So could you help me out? And the customer <laughs> rep from Zappos find out something nearby that was safe to walk to and, uh, and yeah, uh -huh. really... So you know, yeah, that's the way they operate. But they make they made a customer for life, you know, with that one, and they do other stuff really different than others. Most of the uh, the best practice is that uh, your return policy, you know, is that you can return your stuff in 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 the 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 legal uh, fourteen to 30, 30 days. And mm -hmm. Zappos has a. 365 days wow. return policy. Yeah. Amazing. It costs wow. them money, but by doing it completely different, they really mm. have have created a fan base of customers. Oh, that's an amazing example. Um, you just made me think of something else. Um, because today there's a lot amount of talk about uh, 
there's a huge amount of talk about engagement. Um, and I was just wondering from your perspective, how do you think e-commerce brands can build engagement? Of course, we talk about it all the time. But this is just, this is something that is really hard to do and often takes a lot of, of uh, investment as well. But if you get it right, then you could revive your whole brand. That's, for example, what Lego did. So Lego did spend uh, a huge amount on creating a new platform for uh, for the community, their community to get together and share ideas for Lego, new Lego models. Okay, so Lego created the platform and said to the community, go ahead, share your stuff with each other and vote on it. So the community could share their ideas for Lego models with each other. They could vote on it. And then Lego said, not only will we provide you with this platform, but we'll also take the ones that are voted on the most, the winners, we'll take them into production. Yeah, this is this is great stuff, of course. And what they did was Lego normally is, is, is you know, b- before Lego was uh, struggling to keep selling Lego to... Uh, 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 to children because children have so much alternatives nowadays. But with this, they really uncovered unco- and, and uncovered a new uh, uh, a, a new audience for them. All the adults, adults really love this kind of stuff. Oh so, wow! So yeah, okay. Yeah, that's okay. the top of being engaging with your customers, as far as so- I know. Yeah, it's certainly is. And I guess it's all about, in this particular instance anyway, harnessing creativity. I guess that's what's behind it all. Exactly, yeah. They're, they're, they're building together with their customers. Yeah, co-creating new mm. Lego models. Uh, I mean, how good can it get? <laughs> that's really good, really good. If you were to choose one brand, one single brand, with an exceptional custom experience vision that is also a business success, who would you choose, Marinus, and why? Um, the 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 one that uh, I used to point out um, as as a really good example of of where they had a good vision about the exper- uh, experience, but also a good uh, product and a good strategy uh, plan to put it all into action. That uh, is Warby Parker. And Warby Parker is you might know them. And for the people listening who don't know Warby Parker yet, it's a direct-to-consumer prescription glasses fashion brand. So that's a mouthful. But what they do is, uh, yeah, they they took out the middleman, so they're direct-to-consumer. It's prescription glasses. So, you know, where you you normally had to go to... to, um, um, have your eyes measured, etc., they they're oh, moving yes. into that into into the market really of the prescription glasses, and the fashion the fashion part of it is they also want to make the prescription glasses look good on you. So um, uh, yeah, Wobby Parker they they actually started out as uh, the founders started out as students, and one of the 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 yeah the the backstory is that one of the founders supposedly was was going on a on a backpacking trip uh, jane mm-hmm. and then he lost his prescription glasses oh no okay yeah and because, 
Yeah, so he said in the uh, uh, a whole semester in college, looking or university, looking at uh, at at what was being uh, uh, written on uh, on 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 the board, and he couldn't see it because he oh, couldn't no. afford okay. new prescription glasses as a student. So that was the inspiration for him to set up a an, an, a brand himself, um, Wobby Parker, with a couple of uh, his fellow students. To uh, to make sure that uh, they're they're um, uh, uh, putting out their uh, affordable brand with fashionable look. Yeah. Okay, I get it. But how, what was their actual vision and what strategy did they come up with? Um, yeah, if 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 connected back to what we mentioned before that you need a vision and a strategy indeed, then um, their vision was their vision was that buying classes should be easy and fun. Uh, a lot of sites have this, uh, that, that it should be easy and fun, of course. That's just good usability. But also that it should leave you looking good. So, um, and at the end, with some pocket left in your money. There were students. You so, mean you money know, left in your pocket? Yeah, for some beers. <laughs> um, so that was their vision. Yeah, um, okay. And, um, and, and the way they, they made a plan to reach this customer experience vision online okay because you can have the nicest vision but you can you, you have to execute on it and that's a lot of times a hard part so they made an uh, a cx strategy customer experience strategy where they took the parts of the vision and they thought about okay how are we gonna fill this in with a with it with a digital experience plan so the first thing the easy and the fun part of their uh, um, of their vision was uh, they made sure that you could try your glasses at home for free. So you don't didn't have to go anywhere. You oh. just picked five glasses. Okay. You told them uh, what kind of uh, strength you needed, you know, the plus and the minuses, et cetera. Uh, and the description, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. and they sent you five uh, a set of five glasses for free. Wow. You just kept the one that you liked the most or none at okay. all, and you could set the whole bunch back again for free. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing they did was... Um, for the looking good part, they made sure that they hired fashion designers when they started uh, designing those glasses. So, you know, fashion first, that was mm -hmm. also something uh, that, that they, uh, that they uh, did to make sure that they, that they uh, left their customers looking good. And the last thing, money in your pocket, um, yeah, by cutting out the middleman uh, and having very efficient uh, productions, production uh, facilities they can offer glasses i think like even below 100 dollar. i think wow. something like 95 so okay. that's quite yeah that's quite a good price for prescription glasses that yeah that look this good that's amazing i mean it's a perfect example of how a brand can actually stand out um so listeners get your post-it notes ready um it's time now mm. to I think move on, Mariners, because we are coming to the end of the podcast. Um, and I just like to take this opportunity to say I really enjoyed our discussion today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. It was great to have you on the show. I learned a lot and I hope our listeners learned a lot too. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, uh, uh, Jane, for giving me a platform to, uh, to spread uh, the talk about something that I really think differentiating yourself from others is something uh, that I really uh, feel uh, strongly about. So, um, yeah, thanks again. 
Oh, You're yeah. very welcome. Uh, one last question before before you go, Marius. Where can our listeners find you? Um, they can easily reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn and you just look for Marina's aims and you will surely find me there. Great. Well, thank you again for your time today, Marinus. Thank you, Jane.